Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. And forgot to change it back. Let's see, will that let us record? Come on, work. Work. Okay, I think it's working. Okay. Oh man, that was going to be bad. Okay, I'll have to fix that later. I won't even go into the nerd talk for you guys. But anyways, what I was saying was many of us sing about, talk about, even pray about the blood of Jesus. We thank God for it. We know it heals. We know it delivers. We know there is power in it, but there's a lot of misunderstanding or lack of understanding around the blood of Jesus. So that is what we're going to talk about. And there's power in the blood. Friend, I'm telling you right now, there is supernatural power in Jesus's blood. This is the new covenant. This is the cleansing blood. And I just want to start by being grateful. Tonight is a night of gratitude for the shed blood of Jesus. We overlook this and the importance of that now we have access to God through the blood of Jesus. That Jesus gained victory through the shedding of his blood over Satan and his kingdom. The war was won on the cross. Type that in the chat. The war was won on the cross. Yeah, the video will fix. It was shaky, but we fixed it, okay? Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says, and they've conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So we see the first thing that they overcome the enemy with is by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. That's number two. And then look at what number three is in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. For they love not their lives even unto death. So they overcome the enemy by the blood of Jesus just being the, the, the lamb of God, Jesus being the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Jesus was the last lamb. This is why John the Baptist said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world when he saw Jesus approaching right there on the river. First John chapter one, verse seven says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, man, I'm so grateful for this. And the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all our sin. So not only is the blood of Jesus powerful, not only does it break the power, the strategy, the plans of the enemy, and I, I want to say tonight, every demonic attack, every assignment, every plan and contract on your marriage, on your family, on your ministry, come on chat, on your life is canceled by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus cancels the plans of the enemy. The blood of Jesus causes us to be victorious over the enemy. Many people, you know, think it's a one-time thing. Like, I, and I, this is one thing I want to really harp on tonight. We think that we sinned, we came to Jesus, we're washed in his blood, and then now that we're Christian, if we sin again, we think that there's no longer any blood left or the blood doesn't work. But you have to realize the same blood that forgived you the first time you came to God when you were a sinner and you repented and turned, came to Jesus and he washed you in his blood, is the same blood that will wash you right now. If you're stuck in cycles of sin, if you're in patterns of sin, or you're currently living a sinful lifestyle, the blood of Jesus covers. Now, the Bible does talk about a place where you keep on sinning, thinking the blood is a license to sin. The blood of Jesus is not a license to live however you want. The blood of Jesus gives us power to walk in holiness. It washes us, it cleanses us, and it keeps on washing us. It keeps on cleansing us. It is not a one-time thing. People think if they've done anything wrong, they're now condemned. But understand, it's the same blood that cleansed you the first time is going to cleanse you again. And I believe tonight, 
Someone is going to be cleansed by his blood. Someone is going to come out of shame. Someone is going to come out of guilt. Someone is going to break out of the bondage of sin, come out from that anxiety, come out from that depression, break free from the bondage that sin has you in. You know, sin is a slave master. The devil wants you to be his slave, that we are in bondage to sin. But now because of the blood of Jesus, the chains are breaking. The chains break when the blood of Jesus is applied. So we can't, we can't pass this by. We can't do a 20 minutes on this and then do communion. I wanna talk to you and show you what scripture has to say. We're gonna give you a lot of scripture. So what do disciples do? They take notes. How many know the gospels were the disciples' notes? Ephesians chapter one, verse seven. In him, we have redemption through his blood. So we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So you are forgiven. And I wanna tell you this, stop reminding God of the sin he already forgave you of. Why do we keep going to God You sinned five years ago, you're still in that shame and in that guilt, and you keep bringing that old sin to God, and God says, I've already forgiven you of that. Why are you reminding me of sin I threw in the sea of forgetfulness? The Bible says he throws our sin in the sea of forgetfulness. Yet we keep reminding God of the sin that he washed us of, the sin that he cleansed us of. If you are in sin, turn from your sin, repent, ask God to cleanse you with his blood, and then walk in holiness, walk in righteousness. You don't have to keep sinning. The chains are broken. You're not under that old covenant, that sin anymore, and that bondage. This is amazing news. Some of you are like, I don't understand why you're yelling and shouting. You're literally in your home studio. There's no crowd there watching you. It's not about that. I am excited when I talk about the blood of Jesus. I am passionate about what Christ did, the finished work of the cross. So when I start talking about my sins have been forgiven, this is revolutionary for those of you that keep wallowing in condemnation and in shame and guilt. You've been washed. You've been forgiven. A righteous man falls seven times but gets back up. It's time to get back up and walk in your inheritance and walk in your destiny. Come on, chat. You don't have to live in that any longer. Like, oh, I'm so tired of the sin. Praise God. You can be washed and cleansed and walk in holiness. You don't have to live in sin any, lo- any longer. And the new, by the way, this is just gonna keep getting better as the night goes on because there's so many things I wanna show you about the blood. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church which he obtained by his own blood. So Christ obtained the church by his blood. He bought back the church. He purchased the church by the blood of Jesus. And what a price to pay, that Christ paid his blood to redeem you, to wash you, to cleanse you. And it was a horrific death. We're not gonna go through the death that Christ went through. That'll be for another video. And we have videos on that on the channel. What a horrific death that Christ went through, that, that shedding of blood so that you can be cleansed. If you're just jumping in, we're seven minutes in. You're, you're, you're here in the beginning. Don't worry, just jump in and, and join along as we take notes and stuff. So One of the important principles of blood, period, and this ties into the blood of Jesus, and write this in your notes, is life is found in the blood. The life of God is found in the blood of Jesus. This is the last lamb again that was slain for the sins of the world. Our life source is blood, blood, and the life of God in us is the blood of Jesus. And tonight we will take communion live as a reminder of what he's done on the cross 
of his body and of his blood. Look at what this, look at what John 6, 54 through 56 says. John chapter 6. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I abide in him. And this statement in John chapter 6 made thousands of people that didn't understand what he was saying walk away and leave. And rather than try to explain himself, Jesus let them walk away. One thing about Jesus was he wasn't like most evangelists today that beg you to come and pray a prayer at an altar and follow Jesus. Jesus wasn't saying, wait, guys, wait. I'll explain what I mean. I know you misunderstand me because they did. The religious people misunderstood him. The regular people misunderstood him. He wasn't trying to explain. He knew that only certain people were going to get this. But also, there's something offensive about blood. Many people have a phobia of even looking at blood. And even the chatter, like, oh, I can't stand to see blood. Have you ever thought about how interesting that dynamic is, that blood is offensive to people, that it's hard to look at blood, that blood is like, oh, it kind of makes you cringe seeing blood. But in that blood, there's life. And this blood was offensive to these sinners. And you know the famous story of Jesus looks back at the 12 and says, will you leave too? And Peter says, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. In other words, we've left everything. Like, where would we go, Jesus? We gave everything for you. We've walked away from everything. You're the, you're the only one that makes us feel alive. Man, I remember getting saved. I, I didn't realize I was dead for so many years. I didn't realize that for 19 years I was dead until I came alive. And I was like, man, I've been dead for so many years. Is anybody in the chat, type one, if you remember getting saved and then after being saved, you're like, I didn't even know I was dead for so long. But now I'm alive. There's eternal life in the blood of Jesus. So you have to realize there's power there. Look at what John 6, 53 says. Then Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Let me say that again. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Jesus was not explaining communion in this passage. He was not saying, well, we're going to take communion. Obviously, he's talking about being in Christ, and then later they will take communion, and he'll say, eat my flesh and drink my blood, and they're going to go, oh, now we know what you were talking about in John chapter 6, but there are some times where God will speak to us, and we just have to believe. We just have to follow him. We just have to know that he's God, and we're not God, and God, even if, man, this is a word for somebody, even if what you're saying doesn't make sense, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Even if you're, what you're saying isn't logical, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Even if what you're saying feels weird to me at times or uncomfortable, I'm just going to follow you. 12 men had to decide when Jesus said, drink my blood, that Lord, we're going to follow you and we're going to trust you, that there is life in the blood. Now, why do you say there's no life in you unless you drink my blood? There's life in the blood. Every one of us, even the atheists, depend on God for life. The very breath in your lungs tonight comes from God. And without God, there would be no life because God is the originator the creator of life itself. The atheist only has life because of God. The Muslim only has life because of God. Buddhist only has life because of God. The New Ager only has life because of God. So there's life in God because of his blood, according to John 6, 53. He says, if you, and drink his, my blood, or he says this, I, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you'll have no life in you. So there's life in the blood. All of us depend on God for life. All of us depend on God for not just life, but also eternal life. And eternal life 
according to John, according to John 6, according to Jesus, comes through the blood of Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. Let me just give you a few verses here. And through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So he's making peace with humanity. Remember, the Bible says we were at war with God. I don't know if you know that you were at war with God before you became a Christian. Or should I say, before you turn to God and put your faith in Jesus. Turn to God and put your faith in Jesus. You were at war with God. So Colossians 1 says, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 20, it's by his blood that he made peace with us. Hebrews 9, 14 says, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. So what does the blood do? The blood of Christ cleanses our consciousness from acts that lead to death, okay? So that we may serve the living God. You, we need to be cleansed from these actions, these things in our life, these sins we commit that lead to death. If sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So how do we, how do we reconcile this? The blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10, 19, look at this, and I'm gonna give you more, so just stay with me. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, so how do we enter the most holy place? By the blood of Jesus, Hebrews 13, 12. And so Jesus also suffered outside the gate to make the people holy through his blood. So now we know we're also, we've not just been purchased by his blood. We don't just have access through his blood, but we've also been made holy through the blood of Jesus. Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of a creature is in the blood. Let me say it again. Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of a creature is in the blood. And I've given it to you to make an atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. So the principle is the blood is what makes atonement. The blood is what has life. Jesus shedding his blood was giving us eternal life. We're literally getting the life of God by the blood of Jesus. Revelation chapter one, verse five. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to whom loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood. Are you guys seeing this theme? I could keep going. Romans 5, 9. We've now been justified by his blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? I, I was looking up scriptures on the blood of Jesus and I, I couldn't count how many verses talk about the blood of Jesus. So it's not just this finite little concept that we can overlook in scripture. It's all over the place. But let me give you, I have a lot to give you, but let me give you seven, seven reasons why the blood is so important. Just to give you something to, to chew on tonight and to take notes on, seven reasons why the blood is so important. And this will be not long, and then I wanna to talk to you about some other stuff, and then we're gonna do communion. So here's the seven reasons. As I say them, type them in the chat so people that are missing it can catch them. I should have put them on screen. I totally forgot to do that. I apologize for that. Uh, reason number one it's so important is it gives atonement for sin. Number one is atonement for sin. This is what Ephesians chapter one, verse seven says. We have redemption through his blood. I'm sorry. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So that because of God's rich grace and mercy, we have forgiveness of sins and redemption through his blood. And the word redemption to redeem means to buy something back, to purchase something. So we've been redeemed. We've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. We've been washed by the blood of Jesus. We've not just been redeemed, but there's forgiveness of sins because of his blood, through his blood. Jesus' blood is the only means by which sins are forgiven. Not just forgiven, but providing redemption and reconciliation with God. 
And the concept of, re- of atonement is rooted in the idea that humanity, due to sin, is separated from a holy and righteous God. And the shedding of Jesus' blood is a sacrificial act that provides a remedy for our separation. Okay, very simple here. I'm giving you guys the gospel tonight. You've been separated from God, and the blood of Jesus removes that separation. The blood of Jesus is the ultimate payment for the debt of sin, bringing about redemption and forgiveness. This is what the blood of Jesus does. It atones for our sin. Apart from the blood of Jesus, which I know this video is going to get a quarter of the views of what, you know, a deliverance teaching or teaching on prophecy or gifts will get. It's like people don't like, oh, that's, that's elementary, brother. You, you, you don't understand. Okay. Apart from the blood of Jesus, you are dead in your sins. Without deliverance, you can still walk with God and be cleansed of your sin. But without the blood, you completely are dead in your sin. So the blood is more important than deliverance. The blood is more important than miracles. The blood is more important than the 12 spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The blood is more important than just talking about preaching or even talking about prayer. The blood is important because without that blood, there's no atonement for sin. We are dead in our sin. And every single one of us, there's 2,000 of you watching on all platforms tonight, right now, live as I'm talking. Every single one of you stand guilty before holy God. And the book of Hebrews says, what a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of living God. So the blood matters. The blood is important. So tonight we go, Lord, we're thankful for your blood. God, I don't want to ever stop thanking you for your blood. I don't ever want to get numb to the fact that you shed your blood for me. Every single day, God, I want to thank you for your blood, shedding your blood right there on Calvary, God. Your blood on that cross gave me freedom from my sin. God, I've broken every one of your laws. The Bible says if you broke one law, you've broke them all. And we've all broken every law. We stand before God guilty. And the blood of Jesus washes us, cleanses us. Is this not something to say, thank you, Jesus, for atoning for our sins? Thank you, Jesus, for redeeming me, buying me back. I was in the kingdom of darkness and you redeemed me. You purchased me back. I sold myself to Satan. I sold myself. All of you are obsessed with like, oh, the celebrity sold their soul. Friend, if you are in sin and not a Christian, you've already sold yourself to the enemy. You don't need to worry about, is Beyonce sold her soul? None of that matters. If you are an unbeliever, you are already belong to the devil. He's the ruler of this world and the, and the lowercase God of this world, the Bible says. The Bible says you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his glorious light. When you get saved, when you become Christian, you're born again, you get transferred. So if you're not a believer tonight, you are under Satan's domain, Satan's control. Oh, I could control my sin. No, you can't. No, you can't. Try to stop sinning. Without Christ and his blood, you can't stop sinning. I dare you to try. You're a slave to sin. And the blood breaks the chains. The blood washes us, atones for us. So we no longer have to live in that. That's amazing. I hate, I hate my old sin. I literally hate it. I didn't want to be in sin. I didn't even know half the things I was doing were sin. Until I encountered the Holy Spirit, he convicted me. And the moment, the night I met him, I realized, wow, this is, and then what happened? I felt the weight of my sin. And then I was washed by his blood. Father, I pray tonight, God, wash me in your blood. Lord, if there's any sin in my life, cleanse me. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. You ought to just pray that. You ought to just pray that right now. Lord, wash me. I was a slave to sin. 
I was a slave to unrighteousness, but now I'm a slave of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Wash me, Lord, cleanse me. So number one, it's atonement for sin. Without it, there's no payment. Somebody has to pay. The wages of sin is death. Somebody has to pay for this sin. Who's gonna pay? You have a, you have a, you have a bill. You think it was free? Many of you, before I go to point two, many of you think your sin was free. You think right now you can fornicate, sleep around, party, do drugs, curse, do whatever. Everything you can think of sinful and you're getting away with it. No, you're storing up wrath according to the book of Romans, chapter two and one and two. You're storing up wrath and there's coming a day where the wages, the payment of sin is death. When you work, you get paid something. That's your wages. When you're sinning, you're working for the devil and your payment is death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And send this to all your friends like, Isaiah never preaches the gospel. He only talks about deliverance. They can cry about the teaching tonight. This is the gospel in an hour tonight. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So who's going to pay? Who's going to pay for my sin? For the years and years of compromise and sin in my life before I came to Christ. Who pays? What do we do with that debt? Long list, long payment. The blood of Jesus says you're, you're debt free. That is amazing. That's, that's what, what, what is more important? What is more amazing than that? What, what could I say? That's the point. Number one is me is enough for me to say, I'm giving my whole life to this thing. I'm giving my whole life to this thing. If you're on the fence, atonement for sin, it's enough for me to say, I'm giving my whole life. This is the good news. The good news is you can be washed and you can be cleansed by Christ's blood. So number one is atonement for sin. Number two is cleansing and purification. Number two, cleansing and purification. First John chapter one, verse seven. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin. There's purifying power in his blood. There's cleansing power. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin, gives us spiritual purification. And it's not merely external, but it extends to the innermost part of our being. And he gives us the spiritual renewal, spiritual transformation, spiritual cleansing. You are clean. Let me just type this in the chat. I am, oh, as I exit out of my programs here. Okay, let me not type in the chat. My keyboard decided to stop working. Fail. I am clean. Type that in chat. I am clean. Apparently I can't type anything because my keyboard just went out again. I got to get a new keyboard. I am clean. I am washed. I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus. What's, what verse was that? First John chapter one, verse seven. Friend, I remember the night I was born again, I didn't feel unclean for, what, for some of the stuff I was doing. I didn't know it was wrong. And I remember when the Holy Spirit came upon me, there was this instant feeling of, I am filthy. I am unclean. How many of you know if you jumped in the mud while it's raining and got all full of mud and then came inside, you wouldn't forget that you were unclean. You wouldn't be like, oh, am I unclean? Am I dirty? You would instantly know, oh, I'm filthy. I'm dirty. Nobody that's unclean or filthy is unaware that they're filthy. But see, when I was in the darkness, I didn't know I was filthy. It was dark. I didn't know. I couldn't see my filth. I couldn't feel my shame. I couldn't feel my guilt or any of that. But then when the light of Christ came on me that night I was born again, instantly, I remember this feeling. Who's with me? I felt dirty. I felt shame. I felt, I just felt unclean. I don't know how else to describe it. I felt spiritually unclean. 
And then it's like, well, where's the remedy? Now that the Holy Spirit's convicted me, now that the Holy Spirit has illuminated and put a light on my sin, where's the remedy? The remedy comes with the blood of Jesus. Because just seconds later, I went from feeling clean to feeling washed, to feeling new. Like all of my sin was gone. That's the blood of Jesus. All you've done, the shame is gone. God wants to wash you tonight. Some of you ladies, you feel unclean because you've given your body out. Some of you men feel unclean because the stuff you've put in your body, whether it's drugs or alcohol or pills or whatever you've done with your body, to your body. Some of you will feel unclean because you've, you've cut yourself. You've cut your arm. You've cut your body. You've mutilated yourself. Some of you feel unclean because of a relationship you were in. Somebody verbally abused you. Somebody physically abused you. Somebody put word curses on you, spoke death over you, and you feel unclean. You feel unworthy. But I have good news for you tonight. According to 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, his blood is going to purify us from all sin. His blood is going to wash us. There's spiritual purification. There's spiritual cleansing. Like, how do you wash your soul? How do you wash your soul? How do you cleanse your spirit? How do you, how, how, how can your soul be clean? It's been so dirty for so long. You can't get in the shower. Some of you have sinned so much and you've lived a life of sin. You think, man, if I just take a shower. Some of you have done this. Don't, don't be ashamed. You've done this. You think like, man, I've done something bad. I'm going to go take a shower. I, have you been there before? Where you, I'm going to go take a shower and wash this off because I've done something wrong or bad. And you know what happens? You get out and you feel the same. Why? Because you're washing the external, but you're not, wa wa you're not washing the internal. And this is what the blood does. It doesn't wash us just on the outside, but it washes us on the inside. It cleanses us in those moments where you go, I'm preaching to someone tonight. Listen, I'm preaching to somebody. Those moments where I feel filthy, I feel bad about my sin. I just feel like I've been, you know what? God's gonna wash you tonight. God's gonna cleanse you tonight. God's gonna restore your purity tonight. You've given yourself away. God's gonna cleanse you and wash you. And this is something only the blood of Jesus can do. Nothing else can do this. Nothing else can wash you. Like an air purifier, which I have right here conveniently in my office, it takes in that air and you can't see some of the dirty particles. It's not visible to the naked eye. These small particles, it filters them through and then it pushes out clean air. And that's the blood of Jesus. It's a soul purifier. It's a spirit purifier. It's like this air purifier I have on me right now. It's not putting out, it's, it's, it's not just putting out, you know, clean air, it's cleansing what was already there. It's removing the bacteria. It's removing that. And the blood of Jesus removes that bacteria of sin. It cleanses us from those areas we can't even see. There was areas where I'm like, I didn't even know that was there in my life. And the Lord pointed it out and purified those things I couldn't see in my life and washed me with the blood of Jesus. So the blood of Jesus is like that air purifier, washes you and cleanses you and purifies you. So you're clean. Friends, you are clean tonight by the blood of Jesus. Number two is cleansing and purification. Number three, justification. Write this in the chat. Number three, why, why the blood is so important is justification. This is what Romans chapter five, verse nine says. Since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Let me say that again. Since we've now been justified by what? By his blood. This is Romans 5, 9. Some of you are like, well, this is all over the scripture. There's the blood of Jesus is everywhere. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So we're now saved from the wrath of God through the blood of Jesus, but not just saved from wrath. That's, a, that's great, by the way. Do you ever know what the wrath of God is? You should be happy you're saved from it. Not only that, 
but you're justified. Think of justified as this, just if I'd never sinned. Okay, so when you think of justified, just if I'd never sinned before, you are able to stand before God, righteous, justified. Jesus' blood justifies us, meaning we're declared righteous before God by putting our faith in Jesus. We're now declared righteous before God, but it's by the means of the blood. So faith in Christ justifies us by means of his blood. In a theological sense, it's you being declared righteous before God. And the blood of Jesus is the basis for that justification. It covers the sins of believers. And through faith in Christ, we're not only forgiven of our sins. So it's one thing to be forgiven, right? God forgives you of your sin. You stand before me. He says, okay, I forgive you. It's, it goes farther than that. This is why I said it gets better as we go tonight. It do, and we're going to do communion at the end. Communion for those of you that are new. I know I'm slurring my words tonight. I'm, I'm, I have a lot to cover and I'm trying to think of what I'm going to cover. It doesn't just forgive us, but it goes a step further and it justifies us. So here's what that means. If God said, I forgive you, okay? Let's just use, what sin can we use for example? What's a common sin? A lust, pornography, whatever. You stand before God and God says, I forgive you. You've been cleansed by the blood. We already talked about that. You've been atoned for your sin. There's now a payment's been made for your sin. We already talked about that, okay? You've been purified, but now, and you've been forgiven, but now you stand before God. God says, oh, okay, you're forgiven, but you're still not righteous in right standing with God because you did sin. You did sin. Here's what justification does. It, it's just as, as if you've never done it. You don't just, oh man, this is such good news. I wish I had room to run in here, okay? You don't, God doesn't just say, I forgive you. You stand before God as if you'd never sinned before. Think about how crazy that is. As if you'd never sinned before. You stand before God, justified, righteous. And God says, you've, I look at you as if you've never sinned. You have the righteousness of Christ. You literally, God, say, God says this. Because of Christ's blood, because of justification, imputed righteousness, you have never sinned before. You are perfect in Christ. What? You're, you're like, no, I'm not. I'm not. God says, yes, you are. You're justified. This is what it means, friend. This is what the blood of Jesus does. This is why I told you it's so important we learned about this. It justifies us. In a theological sense, you're declared righteous. In, and, and righteous, and there's a lot of like words like, what is righteous? What is justification? Justification is to be in right standing before God. Justified, never sinned. Righteous is right standing. So you're declared righteous. Righteousness is right standing with God, and God justifies you as if you've never done it. You're, you're redeemed, you're washed, you're cleansed. You stand before God, restored relationship with God, okay? So that's number three, justification. You're justified. Number four, is access to God. This is probably one of my favorites. Number four is access to God. I, man, this was supposed to be 10 minute teaching here and we're 30 minutes in, but it's all right. We're going to go here. Four is access to God. This is what Hebrews, I'll give you a verse for each one of these points. Some will have more. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 says this. Scripture, uh, scripture says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, so before, just for those of you who don't know, the high priest can go in the Holy of Holies once a year. This was like the dream. This was, in a, for lack of a better term, this was the winning the Super Bowl for the high priest, okay? If you got to go once a year in the Holy of Holies, you, you were the high priest. You, it was amazing. 
they literally would tie a rope around someone's foot or around their leg and put a bell on it. And then when someone went in the Holy of Holies, if the guy in the Old Testament had sin, they would be struck dead in the Holy of Holies and they would pull them out with a rope. So you, it was incredible access. Think about this. One guy gets to go in once a year. That's it. Nobody else has access to God. You can't come before him. You're, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. You can't come before him. You're dirty. You have no right to come before him. You're unclean. Only the high priest could by doing rituals beyond rituals beyond rituals to be able to get into the holy place and be in the presence of God for just a little while. I mean, that's incredible. We all want that. And this is why I say, people, I wish I was around during the Bible in the Old Testament. No, you don't. This is the best time to be alive ever. Why? Because now we can enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus anytime we want. This is such good news. We have access to God. Like you have a backstage, all access, no limits, front row seats. Everything's paid for, all inclusive, all you can eat, all you can, whatever you want. You're at the table. You have the first presidential, first class, business class, diamond medallion, emerald plus three, fourth edition, whatever. You are like in God's kingdom, full access. What is the access? The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus gives us that access. Through his blood, we can have confidence to approach God and enter his presence. And without it, you can't approach his presence. You can't come before God. Remember in the Old Testament, the holy place in the temple was granted only to the high priest. But in Matthew chapter 27, verse 51, when Jesus dies, the temple veil was torn from the top to the bottom. That means man couldn't have done it. It was from the top to the bottom. The moment Jesus died, the veil is torn. That separated that room, that Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. And this is a symbolic, basically a prophetic sign that the veil's been torn. The door is open. Okay, for lack of a bet. Okay, that, I'm not even gonna use that illustration because it's so weak of an illustration. I won't even use it. But the door's open. The door has been unlocked. No one can go in before. The door has been locked for all of history, all through the Old Testament. Only certain people can go in, no longer. It is now, everybody has access through the blood of Jesus. Believers, of course, not everyone, believers. And now we have this newfound access to God, coming to God. Why wouldn't we go into the Holy of Holies? Why don't we go in the secret place? Why don't we pray? Why don't we seek the Lord? Why are we so lazy when it comes to seeking God and worshiping God and praising God and going into his presence? And I'm talking to myself. In my mind right now, I'm going like, I mean, I should probably go in the secret place more. I should probably go before God more, boldly approach his throne. Now that, that's what we can do now. We can boldly approach the throne of God because of, ding, 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 type it in the chat, the blood of Jesus. So do you see how important this is? You see why this is so like important that you get this? It might not be the most flashy title and sermon or like, oh, but it's the most important. One of the most important because it gives us so much access to God. The barrier has been removed. The blood of Jesus gives us access. It's amazing, access to God. You can go before a holy God that used to be at war with, but now you have peace with him. Number five, number five. Man, I should have wrote these down on the screen. I'm sorry, guys, but the chat's writing them good. So, is a new covenant and new testament. We now have a new covenant, and of course we have a new testament, which if you didn't know in your Bible, there's an old testament and a new testament which those are broken up by an old covenant and a new covenant. So those are kind of 
synonymous in a way. This is what Luke 22, 20 says, and we're gonna be doing communion at the end for those of you that are just jumping on. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So this cup, which of course it's not the cup that I have right here, but this cup he's saying, which is gonna have you know juice in it to represent the blood of Jesus. Not gonna be of course literal blood. This cup is the new covenant. So this is the rep. This is our relationship with God. With God and humanity is gonna be new with this new covenant, new relationship, a new salvation that came through Jesus. This is the new covenant, and that blood is linked to the establishing of the new covenant replacing the old covenant of the Mosaic law. The new covenant is now characterized by not law and death and rituals and sacrifices, but now it's characterized by grace, faith, and forgiveness of sins through the sacrifice of Jesus. Let me show you this in the Bible. I got a bunch of good verses here. Hebrews 9, 15. Therefore, he is the mediator of the new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Let me say that again. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. So the, the death of Jesus, the blood of Jesus redeems us of that, that transgression we're under, that sin we're under. Okay, look at this, Luke twenty two twenty. 20. Likewise, the cup after they'd eaten, this cup is, cup is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Again, I just read that verse twice, but it's, it's the new covenant blood. I want, I want you to catch this. Hebrews 12, 24, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. He's the mediator. He stands between us and the father. He's our mediator. He's the one that's reconciled us back to the father. He's the bridge. And that's why in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, one of my favorite verses, I quote probably every stream, we are now Christ's ambassadors reconciling people back to God. Now we've been given, look at this, the ministry of reconciliation. As, and this is what the Bible says, don't get mad at me. This is what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. As if God himself were speaking through us, calling people back to him. You have a ministry, I have a ministry. We all have a ministry. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. You are reconciling people back to God. God is pleading through you as you share the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You're an ambassador of Christ. Christ has given you this ministry to reconcile people back to God. Jesus is our mediator to the Father. He's the mediator of the new covenant. And look at this, is Hebrews 12, 24. And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Let me say that again. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So the blood of Jesus, the Bible says, speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The, the word, the, it's better. Why, is, why does it speak a better word? Because it speaks of the new covenant. Are you guys getting the parallels and the connections here? Or am I the only one excited? Someone else excited? Let me know in the chat. I feel kind of like, look, I'm, I'm bridging to a camera. I'm looking at a camera. I'm looking at a screen, reading your guys' chats. Like, come on now. The blood is exciting. Blood of Jesus cleanses and washes us. Sometimes we need to stop and do these streams. You know, of all the teachings we're doing, just let's get back to the basics. There's new people just getting saved. You need to know this. This is the basics. This is the blood. Now, let me show you one of my favorite passages of scripture uh, of when it comes to the new covenant. Okay, and this will, are we under the old covenant? Are we under the new covenant? Are we still under the law? Do we have to obey the law of Moses, the Mosaic law? I'm going to show you right here. And I'm not going to go into all of that. Maybe I'll do a video if you guys want me to on it. But 
Let me just give you this, and this is going to answer your questions. We'll let Paul answer your questions. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. You see how slow I did that? You guys like that? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. Verse 7 says this, The old way, with laws etched in stone, led to death. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face, for his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Verse 8. Shouldn't we expect for a greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? Verse 9, if the old way, look at the old law, the old covenant, look at this, verse 9, if the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious. So it's saying, look, the old covenant was glorious and it brought condemnation. Okay, it was glorious, but it brought condemnation. How much more glorious is the new way? which makes us right with God. I'm quoting word for word Paul, verse nine of 2 Corinthians chapter three. If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? Exclamation point on the text. Verse 10, in fact, look at this. The first glory was not glorious at all compared to the, with the overwhelming glory of the new way. In comparison, the old law, the old covenant was not glorious when we look at the new way. Verse 11. Yes, yeah, sorry, guys. I forgot to put the uh, text on screen and all that. I apologize. I was supposed to do that, and I totally slipped my mind. I had some computer issues. So I'm just giving you the verse. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 11. I'm reading it. Okay, look at what verse 11 says. Look at what verse 11 says. So if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious... How much more glorious in the new, which remains forever. So what do we have? Condemnation under the old way. What do we have? Being made right with God and forgiveness under the new way. The old way is not glorious compared to the new way. The new covenant, old covenant, new covenant. Verse 11, the old way has been replaced and that was glorious. How much more glorious is the new way, which remains forever. There will not be another, new, another covenant. There's not gonna be another covenant. We've already gotten the new covenant. This is the last covenant. The covenant we're under now, the covenant of grace, of mercy, of access to God, you should be glad you're not under the old covenant. This remains forever. It remains forever, okay? So that's number, that was number what, five? Number five? Number six. This is a good one. Number six is victory over Satan. This is what the scripture says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they triumphed over him, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. This is talking about those believers in the tribulation period that overcame the enemy, overcame the antichrist, overcame the beast system by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So blood of the lamb one, word of their testimony two, they didn't love their lives to shrink back from death three. They weren't afraid. They loved God in the tribulation time, book of Revelation, they love God more than they love their life. And they said, you know what? You can kill me. Antichrist, you can kill me. I'm not taking the mark of the beast. I'm not taking it. Kill me now. Just kill me. Don't even waste your time. I'm not taking it. I love God more than my very own life. My life is not my own. To live is Christ and die is gain. So like, look, dude, you're doing me a favor by killing me. Let's just get this over with. You're doing me a favor. You kill me, I graduate. You're, and they're mad, like, what can we do to ruin these people's lives? The worst thing that someone could ever do to you is kill you unless you're a Christian. Let me say that again. 
The worst thing someone can do to you is kill you unless you're a Christian. In that case, that's the best thing they could ever do to you. Like, I'm just saying, in the tribulation, a billion plus people will die. Millions of Christians will die. We will be protected from God's wrath and judgments. But the Antichrist will go on a tirade of murdering Christians. And if we're in the tribulation and alive at that time, we will be those Christians that are hunted. If you take the mark, you will be destined for the lake of fire. If you don't take the mark, they are going to take your head off. But what does it say here in Revelation 12 about these saints that are, going to, that are being martyred? They overcame by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they didn't love their lives to shrink back from death. They didn't shrink back. They didn't say, don't kill me. I'll renounce Jesus. I'll take the mark. No, I love Jesus more than my life. So again, I've challenged you guys before. Don't say you'll die for God if you're not even willing to live for God. If you're not willing to live for him, don't say that you're going to die for him. It's a lot harder to die for him than it is to live for him. And right now you have a chance to live for him. Right now you have a chance to walk in his spirit, to walk in his power, and to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. It's amazing. Victory over Satan. The blood of Jesus gives us victory over our spiritual enemies, including Satan, including his demons, including the Antichrist when he rises in power, including the false prophet. It's by his blood we are bulletproof, in a sense. The blood is our bulletproof jacket, in a sense, for lack of a better term. We're protected, we're cleansed, we're washed. Satan, you have no power. I dare someone to pray that tonight. Satan, you have no power over my house. I'm, we're covered by the blood. Our house, there's blood over our, do our, do our doorpost. Oh, tongue twister. There's blood over our doorpost. So keep moving. Keep moving. Keep going down the road. There's blood here. You're wasting your time, Satan. The angel of death comes over. There's blood over our doorpost. Keep moving. Go into someone else's house. Scurry along, Satan. Scurry along. Slither on to someone else. You're not going to talk to my wife. You're not going to talk to my kids. You're not going to ruin my marriage. You're not going to addict my family. You're not going to mess with my daughters. Come on, chat. Rise up. You're not going to mess with my sons. The blood. Did you didn't see the blood when you came in? Right on the doorpost. We're protected. We got the blood of Jesus. You have no power. You are, for lack of a better term, you're a loser. Satan, you're a loser. You lost. You lost. I'm covered by the blood. The blood washed me. It cleansed me. It renewed me. It justified me. It empowered me. It made me new. It protected me. It gave me power over you. If you, I got to say this. If you've ever cast out demons before, which if you haven't, you should try it out. It's biblical. Deliverance is biblical. We need to make a shirt that says that. Someone's going to take that. Go ahead and make a shirt that says deliverance is biblical. If you've done deliverance and you start praying, Lord, cover this person in your blood. We plead the blood. The, de the demons hate the blood. The devil hates the blood. We overcome by the blood of Jesus. Number six is victory over Satan. Satan, you didn't see the blood? The blood is over my house. My family's protected. The doorpost. It was just like the Israelites. When the angel of death came, if the blood was on the doorpost, the angel of death had to keep on moving. The angel of death had no power over that house. When the devil comes to check in on you, to mess with you, and when I mean the devil, I mean his demons, he can't mess with you. You're covered. Your house has the blood over the doorpost. So we pray, Lord, cover us in your blood. Lord, cover our family, cover our house, cover our ministry. The devil's got to keep on moving. Resist the devil and he shall flee. You have no power over me, Satan. Miss me with that. 
I'm not giving you no authority. A curse can't land, Proverbs says, without a cause. I have the blood of Jesus. I'm under a new covenant. I'm under a blood. I've been washed and redeemed. According to Hebrews 9.15, I've been redeemed. Romans 5, Luke 22, Hebrews 12. What do you mean? 2 Corinthians 3, there's a new covenant. There's blood. I'm, I'm an overcomer. Revelation 12, I overcome by the blood of the lamb. I'm an overcomer. You're not weak, dude. Dude, why do you keep walking around like, I have no power. I'm weak. No, you're not, bro. You're not a grasshopper. Is he telling, calling me, bro? And dude, yes, I'm talking to you. Who else am I talking to? There's nobody else in here. There's nobody else in my office. Bro, you're not weak. You're not lame. You're not the devil's punching bag. You're not the devil's doormat. You're not the devil's floor mat. Like, why? Why are we just defeated all the time? Oh, the devil's just after me again. Punch him back. I don't give him a black eye. Not today, Satan. You, if you mess with me, I'm gonna mess with you. When guys, when Jesus showed up in the temple, the demon said, "Have you come to torment us?" The presence of Jesus torments the devil. It literally tor. So now we've already showed you this tonight. You're a representative, of Christ. You're His ambassador. Put your shoulders up. Put your back straighten up. Straighten up a little bit. Stop being a sloucher. You straighten my back up a little bit. No, I'm an ambassador. Don't you're not crossing this line. I'm not weak, dude. I'm not this. Oh, I'm just a little defeated Christian. Oh, here I am again, losing again to anxiety and depression and fear. And you know, I'm never gonna get the ne door's never gonna open. God doesn't care. God forgot about. No, straighten up your back. Put your shoulders back a little bit. Put your chest out a little bit. I don't have one, but if I did, put my, put your chest out a little bit. And say, I'm, I'm tired of the devil punking me. I'm tired of the devil bullying me around. This, uh, this is no tickle me Elmo gospel here. I have, I've, I'm, I have the blood on my side. I have God in me. <laughs> I have God in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So I want you to know you are an overcomer. You are an overcomer. Someone said work out more, Isaiah. I'm working on it, okay? Listen, I'm working out spiritually. Training for phys physical training is good, the Bible says, but training for godliness is better. Some of you need to get in that, some of you need to get out of that physical gym and get in that spiritual gym. Some of you might be looking good on the outside, but internally you're weak. Get in that spiritual bench press, start praying in the spirit, start fasting, start reading your Bible, start studying and get that spiritual gym, get that spiritual workout. So when the devil comes, you don't have to be this little defeated person all the time. You're not a snail. You're not a snail. You're not just, uh, just stop with the crying. We're warriors. We're not warriors. We're not wimps. We are, you are a warrior for God. You are an ambassador of almighty God. Open up your Bible, pick up your sword, put that sword in your hand and fight against the enemy. Stop being a baby. Stop being a baby leader. We don't want to do deliverance. We're scared. Don't be scared. Don't be a baby. Don't be afraid of deliverance. Don't be afraid of fighting the enemy. Don't be afraid of protecting your family. No, I'm going to draw a line. I'm, I'm the priest of my home. I'm the spiritual guard. I'm the spiritual authority. I'm the warrior. Get the sword from your wife, men. Get off the couch. Turn off the UFC. Turn off the football game. 49ers didn't die for you. The Raiders didn't die for you. The Chargers didn't die for you. Whatever team you follow didn't die for you. Cowboys didn't die for you. And now we're going to lose followers here, whatever. They didn't die for you. So put your big boy pants on, get in the prayer room, get in the war room, get on your knees, tell your wife, honey, I know I've been letting you fight for years. 
I've been a little spiritual wimp. I haven't done anything for this family. I have no backbone. But you know what? I'm manning up tonight. I got the power of God in me. I got the blood of Jesus on my side. The father was supposed to put the blood on the doorpost of the house. I want you men, put that blood on the doorpost of your house, speaking spiritually. Time to man up. It's time to go to war. We can't sit by while the devil is running, running a mess in our house, wreaking havoc on the church. Come on, pastors. Stop crying now. No more crying. No more crying. This is what I tell my girls all the time. Okay, you've cried. You fell. You cut your knee. We cried enough. No more crying. Stop crying now. You're not, it doesn't even hurt anymore. You know, my kids will keep crying. It's like they forgot why they're crying. No more crying. Let's stop fighting over tongues, fighting over deliverance, fighting over, oh, a member went there. We lost another member to the church down the road. Well, I mean, the church down the road is having prayer meetings. The Spirit's moving, and it's dry as last year's bird's nest. Your church is drier than cracker juice. So don't cry anymore. Let's man up. Let's start the prayer meetings again. Let's start getting into warfare. Let's start praying. Let's start reading. Let's start fasting. Let's get serious. Let's lock in with the Bible. Let's wake up, lock in, lock in in prayer, lock in in worship. We got the blood of Jesus on our side. We're not spiritual wimps. We're not anemic. We're not lukewarm. We have victory over Satan. In Jesus' name, the devil has been defeated. People are like, why do you talk about the devil so much and give him, give him power? I don't give him power. I strip him of his power. Every time I talk about him, I'm stripping him of his power by exposing him. He lives in darkness. What are you talking about? We're stripping him of his power. You give him power when you don't talk about him. His power is in his ability to remain undetected and camouflaged. That's what gives him power. You don't want to know how you give him power? You never fight him. He runs and does his thing. When you talk about him and expose him, like any war army, any army would do, name one army in history that never talked about their enemy. Name one army in history that, that is clueless. We don't know, you know, we're going in. Right now, Israel is going into Gaza. We're going into Gaza. We have no clue about our enemy. We have no clue about Gaza. We're just going to blindly go in and fight. And that's what most pastors are doing. They don't want to know about the enemy. They don't care about, we don't care about the enemy. We don't care about de the devil and demons. We're just going to fight him. Keep, how's that been working for you? Keep shadow boxing. Keep swinging at nothing. Keep seeing nobody get set free. Nobody get delivered. All your church still in bondage because you're, I don't want to know anything about the enemy. I don't care. The Bible says, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices lest he has an advantage over you. So it's time to get out of baby land. It's time to get off the cruise ship and it's time to get on the battleship. It's time to get off the playground and it's time to get on the battle, the battleground. It's time to get the big boy pants on. No more diapers, no more pacifiers, no more chipones, no more binkies, whatever you guys call them. I don't know. Spit them out. No more. We don't need any more. We've had enough sugar every Sunday. You're going to church and they're teaching about, oh, night of the movies. We're going to, you know, preach an illustration using the new Iron Man. I don't even know what's out now. The new Iron Man movie. Like, dude, we're that lukewarm that we need Marvel movies to give us sermon illustrations. We're that lukewarm that we need secular movies to give us people like, oh, now, you know, I'm going to show you how God is in this movie. I have, there's one super famous preacher. I don't know how does a whole series on how Harry Potter is written after Jesus and Jesus and Harry Potter have all this in common. Like, dude, what are you smoking, bro? What are you smoking, bro? You're this super well-known preacher and you're going to use a Harry Potter as an analogy for Jesus? Come on, guys. Come on. We got to stop with this. Let's, let's get serious here now. What fellowship does light have with darkness? We don't need movies to find sermon illustrations. We don't need another strategy. We need to go to battle. We need to put on our big boy pants. 
plead the blood over the doorpost of our family and our life. Ask the Holy Spirit for his, ask the Holy Spirit to just cleanse us, wash us. Ask for Jesus's blood to, to wash over us. We've been cleansed by the blood. We have victory over Satan is number six. Victory over Satan. His demons, we're not subject. So we don't walk around always worried about, there's a demon there. There's a demon there. There's a demon if I drink Starbucks. There's a demon if I go to Burger King because uh, the Burger King has a crown symbol and the Bible says that there's only one king that's above every king's and the, the Burger King crown is going to open me up to a demon. And you know, if I go to Starbucks and I drink the stuff, guys, all these companies are demonic. Let me ruin everything for you. Starbucks is demonic. Burger King is demonic. Jack I don't want to go to Jack in the Box because you know, Jack in the Box is like a jester and they dance for, no, it's all demonic. All these companies are secular. We're not scared of that. We're not scared of them. We're not worried about getting a demon every five seconds. We have the power of God. We have victory over demons. Now, should we be worried about getting a demon if we're living in sin? Yes. Yes, but we're not scared of everything. Like, oh no, McDonald's, isn't that guy like a clown? I don't know. I'm scared of clowns. Guys, come on. Come on. We're more than conquerors in Christ. We're in the world, but not of the world. Okay, boycott all you want. I don't care what you boycott. Boycott, I boycott Disneyland, all right? You boycott whatever you want to boycott. I don't care. You can do whatever you want. It's your life. You don't have to worry. Listen to me. Someone says Chick-fil-A, okay? We all know Chick-fil-A is the Lord's chicken, literally a Christian restaurant. But seriously, you boycott where my point is this. If we live our lives where everything's a demon, everything, we're scared of everything. Guys, we're not scared of the enemy. We got to go to battle. We got to go behind enemy lines. Our friends and family have been captured. They're being held captive by the strong man. There's a stronger man. And by his blood, am I preaching to anybody? We have victory over Satan. There's a stronger man. His name is Jesus. Our family's held captive. I have cousins, aunts, uncles, family held captive right now by the devil. Held captive. And so I got to go in there. I got to bind the strong man. He's holding them. And I'm going to plunder his house. My family is that plunder. The strong man has my friends and family and there's a stronger man named Jesus and he's been giving me power to bind the strong man. So let's go up in there in the enemy's territory, not afraid, and we're gonna bind the strong man and we're gonna, we're gonna release our friends and family. They are, they are the spoils of war. Newsflash, you're in a war right now. Newsflash, we're about to take communion. Newsflash, we're not fighting for oil. We're not fighting for political power. We're not fighting for social status. We're not fighting for views or followers. We're not fighting for the American dream. We're not fighting for any of those things that don't matter. We're fighting for souls. This is not a war over territory. It's a war over souls. So let's take our rightful place. Number seven, last but not least. Guys, I, I kid you not, these seven reasons, we're gonna be 10 minute segment in this whole teaching. I'll do a part two, okay? Literally, this was my intro 10 minute segment and it ended up being 58 minutes. Oh, well. Number seven, this is the last point and then we're gonna take communion and I'm gonna do a part two to this because I have another hour and a half to give you guys, okay? I got a lot of stuff I have prepared. Number seven, eternal life. Write that down. You're like, oh, I didn't know we were still doing points after that 20 minute sermon. Number seven is why the blood's so important is eternal life. And I'll go through all seven again and then we're taking communion. I'll go through them quick to give you the points, okay? Number seven is eternal life. Look at what John 6.51 says. You ready for this? I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Hey guys, and I'm adding this, okay? So let me pause there. Hey guys, remember that bread that came down from heaven, that manna, 
Like, yeah, we remember that. Remember the stories of the manna that came down? You guys would collect it and eat it. And if you, you know, collected too much, it would go bad. And every day you had to get fresh manna. Every day you should be in the word. Okay, remember that? You had to go get fresh manna every day, gather it. The, the guys had to go out and gather the manna, get that fresh word. Y'all remember that? Yeah, yeah, we remember that. It was amazing. Tasted so good. It was heavenly. All that good stuff. Okay. Jesus goes, okay, remember that? I'm the manna. <laughs> you didn't catch it. I'm the manna. I came down from heaven. When you're talking about bread of life, uh, guys, I'm the bread of life. Everyone's confused. Like, what does it mean to eat my flesh and drink my blood? And Jesus goes, all right, here we go. I'm the bread. Is that simple enough for you? Whoever eats his bread, whoever eats this bread, John 6, 51, will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I'll give for the life of the world. Jesus says, I'm the manna that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of me, eats my blood. I'm sorry, eats my blood, drinks my blood, eats my bread, eats my flesh, will live forever. The bread is my flesh, which, flesh, which I'll give for the life of the world. So there is eternal life in the body and the blood of Jesus. Jesus' sacrifice, symbolized by his blood, is linked to the offer of eternal life for those that believe in him. How beautiful is that? Wait a minute. So even after death, I'm going to live? Yes, you're getting it. Life after death, after life. There is an afterlife. And the only way we make it to heaven is eternal life. And that is through the blood and through the bread or through the body of Jesus Christ. So to recap, you have power in his blood, okay? Seven reasons why the blood is so important. Recap, and then we're going to communion. Get your communion ready right now. Number one is atonement for sin. For those of you missing points because you're like, you talk way too fast and I just got here. Number one of why the blood is so important. Write these down. Atonement for sin. Number two, cleansing and purification. Number three, justification. Just if I never sinned before. Number four, my personal favorite, access to God. Friend, you have a backstage MVP, first class diamond medallion. You have access to God. You don't need to, oh, I want to get an autograph from Isaiah. No, you don't need one. I want to get a picture with Isaiah. We'll have time in heaven. You don't need one. You have access to God. Oh, I'd love to meet Isaiah. And that's great. And I would love to meet you too. But guys, there's someone way greater than Isaiah. His name is Jesus. And guess what? You can meet him right now. <laughs> you don't got to wait in line. You don't got to wait in a long line after a service when you're already tired from driving eight hours and standing on your feet for eight hours. You could just go right to God. And he's so much better than Isaiah. He's so much better. Like, you go right to God. You don't even need me. You have access to God. I'm grateful I'm a mouthpiece for God, but guys, you have access. Okay, you have access. I don't know why. Okay, I'm gonna rant here, but why are you guys paying $300 for VIP tickets to some of these Christian conferences? I got a VIP backstage, first class pass to pay $380 to go meet the man of God. It's like, dude, what? You have access to God, go buy groceries. Like, what are we really doing? Paying $300 for a VIP? I don't understand this. Number five, I just had to throw that there. Okay, sorry, just taking shots here. Number five, new covenant, new testament. There's a new covenant. That's number five. Number six, victory over Satan. Six, six, six. I was helping my daughter with math yesterday, so we were using fingers a lot. So I'm just going to use my fingers because I have little kids in school. Number six is victory over Satan. Number seven is eternal life. Those are the seven reasons why. You need the blood of Jesus in your life. You need to understand the cost of redemption. That we appropriate his blood by saying, Lord, I give you everything. He cleanses us and washes us and redeems us. Okay? So, 
We're going to take communion now. So get your communion ready. What do, what do I use? Whatever you have. I have some juice here and a little cracker there. Man, I'm fired up tonight, y'all. I don't know. When I start talking about the blood, the cross, man, I just get so fired up. All right, here we go. We're going to take some communion here. For those of you that are new, it's your first time taking communion. Isaiah, can I take communion? Yes. Yes, you can. And I'm going to show you why we take communion. Communion, for those of you that are new, is a symbolic way to show that we belong to Jesus and to remind ourselves of what we did for us or what he did for us, not what we did for us. We did nothing for us. Okay, it's a reminder of what he did for us. We're all very forgetful. I don't remember what I ate yesterday. You probably don't either. We're forgetful people. So communion is a way to remember what Jesus did on the cross because we're so forgetful. This is about Christ's sacrificial death. The breaking and eating of bread has to do, I'm gonna try to keep it elementary, with Christ's body being broken on the cross. They broke his body on the cross. And so that is why we eat the bread. The drinking from the cup, which is right here, and you guys got time, go run in your kitchen, go run, grab it, grab your stuff. Whatever you have, you can use. The drinking from the cup has to do with Christ's blood being shed. And by his blood, I already talked about it for an hour. I won't go back into it. We are now forgiven. Communion was originally celebrated by God's people as the promise of protection in Exodus chapter 12. I talked about this tonight. The angel of death would come. If there was blood over the doorpost, the angel would pass by. Okay? That's the Passover. Some of you are like, I didn't even know that's what Passover was. Yes, the angel of death passed over. So they would celebrate communion as Passover. Because now there's blood there. Man, I gotta, I'm going to do a whole teaching on this. But I'm thinking of a bunch of things I want to say. But for the sake of time. That Passover was why they celebrated Passover. Jesus comes, redefines the Passover celebration. And they gather together to remember the purpose of the Passover. And Jesus said this, a new promise in Luke twenty two nineteen. He took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup, my new covenant. I'm sorry, the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So remember, it's about the Passover in Exodus 12. It's a, it's a redefining, but it's a remembering of, of God passing over, protecting those from the angel of death. And then now Jesus says, you've been washed in my blood. You no longer have that penalty of sin. Now, there's something important I want to do and explain before we do communion. Again, get your stuff ready. I'm giving you time as I explain it. Here we go. There you go. Got some bread, got some juice. All right. Whatever you have works. Just grab something. It works. It works. Okay. I want to remind you of this and I want to explain this uh, properly because it's probably been explained bad to you just throughout the years of being in church. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven says this. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man should examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are sick and weak and a number of you have died, fallen asleep, but it means to die. So some people teach, and I used to believe this because I got taught this growing up in church. If you have sin in your life, you can't take communion. If you have any compromise, you can't take communion. If you've done, like, it was only for the elect people to do it. That's wrong, okay? Let me tell you what was happening in Corinth when Paul was writing this. They were getting together for the Lord's Supper, eating, 
it wasn't just like they weren't just taking a cracker and juice like we're doing tonight they were eating a large supper a large meal okay what happened was they were using the lord's supper to get together overeat which is called gluttony get drunk and eat eat food they shouldn't eat everybody's food because they would put all their food together They're, so what was happening was those poor people and needy people outside and these these christians were gathering together overeating gorging themselves using the lord's supper passover communion basically as an excuse to eat a bunch of food okay we were just going to use this whole thing as an excuse to eat so here's what paul says don't do it in an unworthy manner this is what he says anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the lord drinks judgment on himself so the important thing is not that if you're in sin, you can't do this. That's not true. You can do this if you're in sin and you need to repent of your sin. You need to ask God to wash you. Of course, we'll pray for you. The thing that they were doing was they were using the Lord's Supper to get drunk, overeat, and people were hungry and they were overeating in the church when the people were starving outside the church and they weren't doing it for the right reason. So Paul said, if you're just doing it and not examining your motives and you're not even recognizing God or the blood or the body or the Passover or communion, you're drinking judgment because you're abusing communion as a means to overeat and to get drunk and all of that, okay? So that's what they were doing. And somebody's like, where'd you get that info? It was when I did my uh, teaching on this on 1 Corinthians, then okay, I had to research this. But you could find this easily online. That's what they were doing. It wasn't like, there's sin in your life. You can't take it. We should examine ourselves, though. We should examine ourselves, though. So let's examine ourselves. And let me give you a chance to repent of your sin and turn to God. What did Peter say in Acts 2.38? Repent. Repent. You need to repent. Turn from your sin. Change the way you think. I'm wrong. Repent. I'm wrong, God. You're right. I'm wrong about life, sin, whatever it is. You're right, God. I'm going to repent and turn. So right now, let's all pray in our own way. Lord, I just repent of any sin in my life, known or unknown. God, I pray. I want you to pray your own way along with me. God, I pray that you would wash me. I pray that you would cleanse me. Lord, before I take this communion, I just want to thank you for what you did on the cross for me. God, I'm so unworthy, but you saw me worthy. God, I'm so unfit, but you saw me fit. God, I'm, I'm so undone, and I had so much guilt and shame, but you washed me in your blood. You cleansed me. God, what a holy thing you've done. Father, I thank you. God, I don't ever want to take this lightly. God, I don't ever want to take this lightly. I don't ever want to get used to this. God, I thank you for your blood, Jesus. I give you all the glory and all the praise for what you did on that cross, the blood that was shed for me, God. God, I thank you tonight. Holy Spirit, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my life. I honor you. Jesus, I give you all the glory, all the honor and praise. God, wash me. Jesus, wash me in your blood. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And I want to pray what David prayed. God, search my heart and find if there's any sin in me that offends you. Search my heart, God, and find if there's any sin in me that offends you. Wash me, God, and cleanse me and renew me. Just pray that right now. Someone said I'm cutting out. I'll give it 30 seconds so that the connection there. We're back. Okay, thank you, Lizzie. Right now, God, search me. Wash me. God, I want to come to you with right motives. If you're not saved, turn your life over to God. Say, God, I'll give you everything. I'm not going to tell you repeat a prayer because there's no repeated prayer in the Bible. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you have to lay everything down and follow me. Choose today. I want to follow Jesus. I want to give my life to him. I want to lay everything down. I put my faith in him. I put my trust in him. And I'm turning from my sin and turning towards God. I'm turning away from my sin and turning towards God. I'm picking up my cross. In your own words, say that. 
Guys, I was a self-proclaimed atheist the night I got saved, saying all kinds of things to God, and God changed my life, and I was born again, and I put my faith on that. Uh, I put my faith in the work of the cross. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. God, do what only you can do. Do what only you can do. Search me, God. Save me, Lord. Go ahead and pray that right now. Save me, God. Save me. God, I need you to save me. I'm unworthy. I'm undone. I need a Savior. Cry out for a Savior if you're unsaved right now. If you're an unbeliever, if you're lost, if you're addicted, if you're out there right now. God, save me. I need you. I need you in my life. Touch my life, God. Pour out your Spirit on me, God. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit, Lord. Do what only you can do. Do what only you can do. And he will. He will meet you where you're at tonight. He'll meet you where you're at tonight. Doesn't matter how far you think you are, there's grace for you. There's mercy for you. Okay, here we go. Have your bread ready. We're going to start with the bread. Everybody get their bread, cracker, whatever you have. I have a little piece of a cracker here, a real small piece of a cracker. Get your bread out. Don't eat it yet. I'm going to read one verse, and then you're going to eat your bread. I just wanted to make sure you guys understand communion because there's a lot of you first-timers here tonight. We have a couple thousand people on, and uh, I haven't done this in a while, so I want to make sure I fully explain communion. And for some of you, you already know this, but it's a good recap for you. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. Have your bread ready. Put it in your hand. This is 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I received from the Lord that, that which I delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, which we just gave thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now go ahead and eat that. This is the body of Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for your body. Thank you, Lord, for your body being broken for us, okay? Now that you did the bread, go ahead and get your whatever you have, whatever juice you have, go ahead and well, your little cup or whatever you have you're drinking. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So you go ahead now and take, this represents the blood of Jesus. You go ahead and take it now. Thank you, Lord, for what you did. Thank you for shedding your blood, Jesus. Lord. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six will be the final verse I give you tonight. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let me say that again. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So, Father, we just proclaim your death. We just all proclaimed his death right now. God, we thank you for the deep work you're doing in our heart. We thank you, God, that you're washing us. You can take communion while fasting, yeah, 100%. We thank you, God, for washing us and for cleansing us and renewing us, restoring us, redeeming us, justifying us, us making us righteous before you. We thank you, Lord. We need you. Move in our lives, God. We put our faith in the cross. Guys, it's all about what he did on the cross. It is all about the shed blood of Jesus. Not about me, not about a YouTube channel or YouTuber, pastor, none of that. All that matters is what Jesus did on the cross for us. That's the focal point of our life. Everybody else is going to fail you. Everybody else is going to let you down. Jesus will never let you down. Jesus will never let you down. Put your faith in the cross tonight. Put your faith in Jesus tonight. 
He'll justify you. He'll redeem you. He'll wash you. He'll purify you. He'll cleanse you. He'll give you victory over the devil. He'll give you victory over sin. He'll give you access to God. The benefits are incredible. All the benefits God gives you when you're in relationship with him. This is your night. This is your night. No more shame. No more, no more guilt. No more condemnation. Guys, when you walk in this, you'll want to live holy. I, I don't live holy because I have to. I live holy because I, I get to. I want to. I, I go, God, I don't want to do anything that displeases you. I don't want to hurt you. Just like I don't do things my wife doesn't like, I don't want to do anything God doesn't like. He hates sin. So I don't have to live holy. I choose this life of holiness. We got to get back to holiness, guys. We have so much compromise in the church. So many pastors that are in compromise. We got to get back to holiness. Holiness is right. Holiness is right. The Bible says, because I'm holy, be holy. Choose to live holy. Righteousness is inherent. We get our righteousness from Christ. Holiness is a choice. The Bible says you have to choose to be holy. Choose to be set apart. So you got you to decide, I want to be set apart. I want to be consecrated unto God. I'm tired of living just this compromised life. I'm tired of living this compromised life. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.